0: So, welcome to episode, I don't know, this might be eight, of a funny story about money. Took a little bit of a break, summer got intense and and some personal issues and whatever, but I'm back on. Uh, I have an incredible guest today, actually, which uh, this is going to be neat for me because he's, he's the first guest that I've had that I don't really know all that well i know a lot about people's stories before i interview them but uh i have a guy in here today that i met what was that in this was that the spring or last fall the, yeah we
1: met in march, march. Uh, at the beck summit at the uh, cananaskis lodge
0: right so we yeah so we met at this uh, exec i don't know business excellence summit i shouldn't have been there but I got invited and got a free ticket. So I was like, yeah, I'll go hang out in us. You
1: got to learn about business execution and share a few cocktails together.
0: Right, and, uh, so I was just there for the cocktails. <laughs> it was more about people with staffs. And uh, so over the course of that march at that summit, and then like a month later, I ran into three different people that somehow found out that i was uh, like really good buddies with sean lavin the president of aircom and every single one of the three guys uh, their first take was really like i shouldn't be best friends with sean or something like that it, <laughs> I, it makes me laugh even just thinking about it why and we talked about it yesterday at the hockey game and so sean knows steven moore quite well they're in a executive group together. It's called the Tech Group. And uh, and so he sort of told me I should get him on the podcast. And after walking through his shop today, I, I'm really excited to have him on the podcast. He's the president of uh, Orion Plastics. It's a big shop just outside of Edmonton in St. Albert. And uh, it's very impressive. Welcome to the show, Stephen.
1: Well, thanks for having me. Actually, I feel like I have you at a bit of a disadvantage because uh, because I know Sean and I learned that you were friends with Sean at the Beck Summit. I was able to listen to a handful of the podcasts, so I feel like I've learned a little bit about you and you've only met me and got to know me a little bit better in the last couple hours. So.
0: Right, yeah, because we just had a drink. We've seen each other since that summit too, right? somewhere else I feel like I saw you somewhere else maybe maybe not but I think you've been following me around trying to get me on the podcast maybe right yeah so (laughs) so I I don't even know this is probably one of the most intense operations that I'm ever going to interview anybody about when Stephen just walked me through his shop and his plant and And Lavin and I were at a hockey game last night and he's like well It's not gonna be a very exciting podcast because all Steven does is make plastic rectangles (laughs) And we laughed about it, but if you go into the back, you'd see that there's you know 48 people working here making plastic rectangles for all sorts of different industries and, and a whole bunch of crazy machinery and whatever this it's intense (coughs) i guess there's not really a question there but uh i am not very good at explaining how intense a plastics plant is but it's nice clean well operated and it's an impressive business that i'm looking forward to hearing the story about first uh can you tell me a little bit about yourself
1: sure like because we've just, like, uh, met each other, I'll give you a little bit about my background. Uh, I was born in Capuscasing, uh, Ontario. Uh, my father was in the Air Force, so we grew up uh, bouncing around in all these uh, different Air Force bases. Um, lived in, uh, after Capuscasing we lived in uh, Yorkton and then Alsask, eventually landing in Cold Lake, Alberta, where my brother and I grew up, did our high school, and then eventually moved to... Uh, Edmonton here in uh, 1997. Um, I came here to go to university, uh, take computer sciences, and uh, play basketball. Met a lot of really good friends and had some opportunities to uh, um, look at uh, starting a career. And eventually took plastics uh, processing technology at Nate, and uh, started my career in the plastics industry.
0: Unreal. Yeah, I didn't even know a plastics technology build, like when they shut that down, you said, right? They don't do that anymore?
1: Yeah, uh, uh, in the late 90s, I had quite a few friends that were looking at different careers in manufacturing, and one of the uh, technology programs they offered at Nate was the uh, plastics engineering technology program. So I had a few friends that went through that program and... um, they referred it to me and I was looking at you know kind of going into school with them and you know changing from uh, you know my heart just wasn't set on taking computer sciences I wanted to get into something in the manufacturing industry so I got into plastics and you know while learning about plastics and playing basketball at night I uh, came across a company uh, and eventually uh, got to learn about uh, sheet extrusion and uh, did my practicum for a company that did that and That's where I learned about making, you know, custom plastic extruded sheet, or fancy plastic
0: rectangles. Fancy plastic rectangles, which is what you're making. But, uh, (laughs) and so, yeah, and so if you can't see him, but Stephen, he's tall, handsome, 42 years old, yeah, looks like a basketball player, and, uh, makes plastic sheets, plastic rectangles, and, uh... Pretty impressive. So the, the company, your company is Orion Plastics. Uh, you know, I, I know that we talked about, you make plastic rectangles, but just a little bit about, you know, what exactly it is you guys do, who, who you're selling to, what's the plastic for, that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. So we, uh, we have some pretty complex machinery that you've now seen and, uh, We uh, basically import raw materials from around the world. We uh, bring them to our manufacturing plant here in St. Albert where we melt those plastic pellets and color and additives at temperature and pressure and uh, put them through our process and uh, convert them into different types of plastic sheet. We run high-density polyethylene, ABS, TPO, and we'll make sheets almost any color, different thicknesses, widths, lengths, textures and out of different specialty engineered resins with whatever properties our customers might need for their particular application. Uh, Many of our customers are in the heavy gauge vacuum forming industry so well they'll take our sheet and they'll reheat it in a process called uh, vacuum forming. Well they'll vacuum form it into automobile parts or parts for recreational vehicles things for heavy truck agricultural industry construction industry Um, we also make heavy gauge, uh, high-density polyethylene sheet that gets used in the sports and uh, recreation industry. A lot of that goes into a puckboard for hockey rinks that you'll see in like, uh, you know, sports complexes or NHL hockey rinks.
0: And you had mentioned that, so that's this is your plastic that's in Rogers Place.
1: Yeah, yeah. We manufactured the the sheet that went into Rogers Place, as well as a number of the other NHL f- facilities throughout North America.
0: Nice. Yeah, I mean, it. Uh, it's hard for me to explain. I'm not very good at, you know, pumping things up, but it is a very impressive, very clean facility. Uh, it, it's run really well. I was very impressed walking through and and actually what we've probably spent an hour and a half like looking at all these things. I have no idea what I learned, but uh, <laughs> I... It, it was pretty cool to see. It's like a, an episode of how it's made is kind of what we talked about. So,
1: It's pretty remarkable how clean the, the, the manufacturing plant is out there considering we manufacture and ship tens of millions of pounds of plastic like throughout North America in the course of a year through this plant. So it's pretty remarkable what the guys do out there on the floor uh, day in and day out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's nice. And another sort of interesting kind of tidbit that i'd like to share about the the, there's almost like a zero waste going on inside of the plant because any of the plastic that's made that gets cut off or doesn't get used by a customer comes back and is turned into more plastic it's like a sort of a perfect system of you know where you're just not seeing any cutoffs any waste going into the garbage it's made into more product which is really impressive
1: that's one of the interesting facts that a lot of people don't realize like in the plastics manufacturing this has been a big part of the industry for a long time is that all of the the byproducts from our process they get reused like back into finished products so we uh you know we manufacture finished products here at the plant and we ship them throughout North America and when we drop off the finished product we'll pick up any product our customers don't use and bring them back to our plant and convert them back into new products so you're right there's very little waste in our process and we, we really pride ourselves like on how little um, how little waste we do produce here at, at our plant
0: yeah well, and as you should and full solar on the roof which is green
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, we are in the process of installing a roof mount and ground mount solar array to help uh, supplement our electrical consumption. Uh, our long-term goal is uh, reducing our greenhouse gas emissions and being as green as possible to go along with our uh, our internal recycling initiatives.
0: Nice. Yeah. So that should make the climate change people happy, right?
1: Yeah, they should be coming here and applauding us for our, our initiative.
0: (laughs) Uh, So this is now we're going to kind of get in, into the, into the story and I've only gotten sort of a very beginning version of this. So I'm really excited to hear it. Um, can you just tell me a little bit about the, the gentleman that started this company, how, how it started when it started and uh and then i kind of want to know how you went from you know doing your practicum here to now running running the show
1: Uh, you know looking back on it over 20 years it's pretty remarkable but yes like this uh some of the equipment here was originally located in a plant north of sherwood park so uh, when i was doing my practicum and graduated from uh from Nate, I worked as a plastics processing technician, uh, running the machine, uh, the equipment, and kind of trying to optimize it, improving the instrumentation, and trying to produce uh, better products than uh, to supply the uh, local high-density polyethylene market. Uh, during that time, uh, um, our the owner, the previous owner and founder of Orion, acquired uh, that business, and uh, I, myself, and uh, my business partners. Uh, Greg and Nuno um, were working in the company at the time. So the company went through a big change. Originally it was, you know, focused on just running high density polyethylene puck board for the local economy or the local market. And then Wayne uh, became involved and uh, the organization like took on a new uh, a new focus. There was a willingness to invest in uh, new equipment and it, you know, as a plastics uh, plastics processing guy at the time having these resources they were willing to invest in new equipment new instrumentation improving the process and uh, that was exciting at the time to kind of take the company in a new direction and uh, and produce better products for our customers because we were having a lot a lot of challenges at that time just making the things we take for granted flat plastic sheet mm-hmm we would deal with all kinds of issues on the quality side, just trying to keep sheet flat or meeting the quality requirements for the customers. Um, at that time, uh, Wayne also realized that, uh, you know, that facility that we were in was not conducive to the type of manufacturing that we needed to do, so we identified a space on the south side of Edmonton. Um, another manufacturing line was acquired and we installed it in that facility. Um, i uh, spent uh, a few months over there commissioning that line and getting it up and running uh, high quality heavy gauge high density polyethylene and we uh, eventually uh, shut down production at the uh, sherwood park facility and moved the other sheet line over and for a number of years we ran as a primarily a high density polyethylene sheet extrusion company with two manufacturing lines and explored the uh, western canadian market and then eventually started to expand our business into uh, Manitoba and Ontario and into Quebec, looking at other business opportunities and trying to consolidate the heavy gauge polyethylene market. So, spent a lot of years doing that and um, just working as an employee, improving the quality, getting the company, you know, improving the quality program, ISO certification, and really just focusing on that and taking the company from truly a startup, like a very like a small amount of like finished product and sales going out mm-hmm. the door. To kind of eclipsing that you know first million dollars in sales and growing the company to from five and then to ten million dollars in sales and actually becoming a better organization and implementing uh, new technology and new systems and kind of you know becoming a more sophisticated organization from where we first started and there was a lot of uh know over that period of time i'd say the first 10 years of the company there was some pretty incredible growth but with that, developing those markets organically and like meeting customers and uh, developing new programs and doing product development, there was a huge capital cost involved, like acquiring this equipment and doing product development. And mm-hmm. um, our owner and founder, Wayne, like uh, he invested a significant amount of his own money to kind of develop the business along those lines. And it was very challenging, very interesting. And you know, I look back in hindsight and it all... Um, the kind of the economic story kind of makes sense to me now but at the time like when you're just working as an employee focusing on manufacturing you're not considering all the market dynamics and the business cycle and all that stuff Um, so you think back to when uh, uh, this company started in uh, back in late 1999 early 2000 it's a completely different world than it is now it was a uh, similar uh, very low energy like the the energy complex was very cheap back in 2000 so we were dealing with very cheap natural gas very cheap oil and then through the early to mid 2000s the pro you know we started to mm-hmm. go through the energy boom um, we a, a business cycle the financial crisis and and uh, all those different market fluctuations like made it very challenging for a uh, small to medium-sized business to kind of endure those large market fluctuations. And us, along with many other businesses here in Edmonton, like went through challenges and uh, became, a, you know, very apparent, like within the first 10 years that we needed to uh, either uh, make some significant investments and grow or or whether or not we were going to be able to survive in the long term. So, right. Um, working in the business you didn't recognize it right course. away. So but during that time, like as we grew, you know, we brought in brought in more employees, you know, we added shifts. You know, initially we started as just a day we had one shift during the day. Mm-hmm. We added an afternoon shift and then at some point we eventually went to twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, um, running multiple shifts and it gave me everyone an opportunity to grow. Myself, like starting as an operator and then a lead operator and a shift lead and then eventually you know, some, you know, the the complexity of the operation grows, scheduling, logistics. You know, had the opportunity to get involved with production management, you know, production management and um, purchasing and, uh, you know, product development and quality and kind of working in my way up in the organization uh, and kind of getting involved in more of the d- day to day decision making, shift mm-hmm. scheduling and all that stuff. And uh, over those years, there was a lot of upward movement, and a lot of great opportunity. So,
0: was, well, because uh, you came in at a startup stage, basically, and we're like, you grew with the company the whole time. So it's those are the some of the companies you can actually go from being the first to you know mail room to the to the top, basically, right?
1: It was a really good learning experience. Uh, I had a few friends kind of comment to me that you, um, I guess this happens over a long period of time. But you, uh, you know, you you kind of you gather like this invaluable experience, like being involved in all these different roles and having these opportunities to work on all this equipment or develop these new processes, and it was mm-hmm. it was a uh, it was fun.
0: Well, I think that's probably a perfect leader in a company is somebody that's been there, where I mean, probably your new staff wouldn't believe that you used to work on the line if they're working on the line, but you started there and you've seen every in and out part of the company well that would make a perfect sort of guy at the top running the organization in my opinion
1: yeah absolutely you know along with myself like and we have a number of long tenured employees that have been in similar roles so we've got plenty of guys that are in you know uh, middle management roles or quality or customer service or uh um, logistics that are they have plastics engineering backgrounds and they've worked on the line so they have intimate knowledge of how the process works and it, uh, it's, it's a nice resource to have you don't always see that in every organization some of that ip gets lost along the way in the growth phase of the company and right uh, it definitely gives us an advantage
0: yeah i would i would imagine so this was started this wasn't your old owner you worked for a, the di- it was a different company in short park that got acquired by the Orion Plastics yeah. owner, and so that the guy in Sherwood Park was like, "Let's just make puck boards for like what the twenty rinks that are maybe in Edmonton, like."
1: Well, actually, the the like for the short period of time that I was involved with that original organization, it was uh they were primarily just looking at making. Uh, board sheet for uh, like agricultural type applications. So like oh, the kind of like quarter inch and eighth inch type sheet you'd see at a Home Depot or whatever for, mm-hmm. uh, you know, barn liners and things like that. And we were converting all kinds of different raw materials into finished product. So it was a kind of a like a recycled plastics company at the time. So they would take repro or different flake and, you know, melt it down in the process and convert it into boards.
0: Hmm interesting yeah it just seems like a weird because at first I was like well that can't be a very big market why would you start a business that's got to obviously buy some pretty expensive machines to build you know plastic boards for a couple rinks and I just found it confusing that's all but um so and actually do you know why it was named Orion Plastics?
1: um we uh Uh, The original company uh, was called uh, RPC Manufacturing, which which stood for uh, Recycled Plastics Company. And when Wayne acquired uh, the assets of that company, we uh, wanted to give the company a new name. So we looked at a number of different uh, options for names in the company. Actually, you know, even though I was just an operator at the time, like, you know, it was kind of circulated, like what the different names that were being looked at at the time and uh some of them had different uh names to do with like solar systems or constellations and the one that we settled on was orion uh, the constellation orion hmm. the hunter so orion plastics or hunter plastics
0: yeah. interesting i almost named k4 orion financial really but there was a lot of them uh yeah when uh when my dad got sick um the uh he loved the stars, and and so I went to the Space Science Center and tell us world of science, and we have like a star in the constellation that we bought for him for Christmas. So I actually have Orion tattooed on my shoulder. So That's why I was wondering.
1: Does it have the exact same logo that's on the wall here? Or?
0: <laughs> well, I bought the star that, so his star is not in the main, it's not the main, Belt or armpits or feet, but it's just off the line. So, no, it's different because his star is bigger in my tattoo. But I was, I figured it was probably because of Orion, the constellation, but I thought I'd ask because it was a little bit of a backstory of mine. But whatever, it doesn't well I'll cut that part out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how, uh, how does it become you? I mean, I, I get it. You've been here from the beginning. You're a very, you're a very bright guy. Uh, you know a lot about plastic and, uh, and but how did, how did you get into this position?
1: Yeah. So like, you know, during the first 10 years of, of Orion, uh, um, Wayne had uh in, involved his uh, some of his family in the business, so his son Shane was a was a part of Orion and his nephew Laird were also was also part of the company and they did a great job of growing the company from I'd say zero to ten million dollars in sales mm-hmm. And during that time, like you know during all that business development and complicated business cycles, you know we added more equipment, took on significant, uh, you know, Wayne invested a significant amount of money to buy the equipment to manufacture and grow the market. And just during that time, like shortly after the financial crisis, everyone had challenges in 2009, funding challenges, uh, the market was very, uh, very up and down, particularly here in Canada. And then shortly after we were dealing with the energy crisis, like here in Alberta. So oil and gas were very up and down like shortly after the financial crisis and then very high mm-hmm. uh, a lot of foreign exchange fluctuations a lot of market fluctuations and just a lot of projections that were uh, were sales expectations that were we were expecting to, to achieve uh, weren't met you know a lot of overhead was taken on to like grow sales and just the numbers just weren't working like wayne was uh, the company was not making money at the time and mm-hmm. uh, you know this became like a huge issue for him like to you know, like we just weren't getting like the, the buy-in from the management team. The performance just wasn't there, and a lot of changes like ended up being made. So we ended up, you know, uh, down like during that time, like his son, son Shane passed away, you know, from pancreatic cancer. Brutal. Uh, as part of his like, you know, wanting to do business with his son and having a succession plan down the road, like those those plans fell apart, and just performance like just from the management team. He ended up parting ways with his nephew as well. And uh, the company was kind of, you know, Wayne was, uh, you know, was in his mid to late 80s at that time. And uh, he just not in any position to be owning or dealing with uh, like a Growing company like this company. at the time. <laughs> sure. So, you know, he brought in like assistance from outside to try and like find a way to like, you know, keep the company going or, or uh, take, you know, or, or uh, look for an opport- opportunity to, uh, Either grow or sell the business at the time, Mm -hmm. and like as an, you know, we were seeing this like a a lot of investment, expected growth, and then no performance. And as like an employer, like kind of trying to figure out like what are you know how you start asking questions like why are we having issues with this or why can't we like buy this you know like you started to see like the purse strings start to tighten up and uh, you're not able to kind of make the decisions you made in the past and. And uh, just in hindsight, you would look back and like, you know, you just a lot of the the I guess the management controls weren't in place as far as like controlling like certain like decisions with regards to capital investment and purchasing and inventory management and costing and things Uh like that. And uh, as those things became an issue and became important, uh, we started to get more involved with like the financial decision making of the company. So, uh, you know, there became a point where. know I started to like uh, there were a lot of challenges at that time but you know became there became a need for me to become involved with some of the financial decision-making like myself and Greg and Nuno, we would start to meet like regularly trying to plan out and like and make sure all the dollars and cents make sense I'm like Uh we didn't have any formal training on this we just kind of you know had to kind of bring things together with uh, what we had learned unfortunately I had started uh, I had joined tech Canada in 2009. Mm-hmm. And, uh, for me, it was great cause I was, you know, rubbing elbows with some really incredible business owners or key executives here in Edmonton that, uh, I was able to, you know, look to for, for, look to for advice. Um, some of them like were able to offer some really great advice or help like provide me some guidance, like on how to uh, approach things or, or, or different ideas that I wouldn't consider. Like, mm-hmm. and, uh, and a lot of that, uh, uh, not just from my members but from my uh, tech chair Rick Harvey at the time were invaluable and uh, gave you reassurance but also confidence that you were making the right decisions and pushing the company in the right direction so things became you know we kind of took over the financial management of the company like we had you know this was a like if you think about this as this was a startup company we didn't have uh, a lot of resources with regards to our uh, our uh, Business banker, like they weren't extending us uh, uh, operating lines or anything like that. We were dealing with this from cash flow from operations, so the dollars and cents were very tight. Um, And uh, but we managed to kind of get a hold of our, you know, the cash that was coming in and the cash that was going out, and make right like good decisions, like from which customers we wanted to focus and grow our sales with and service with the resources that we had, and we made some really smart decisions, just like working with different customers on, uh, um, on managing their receivables or early payment discounts and working with our vendors, like extending, extending terms to help give us some runway, mm-hmm. grow the business, look at what we had in inventory and create liquidity and then push the company forward. And uh, early on, it was very challenging to get some wins. You know, we would drop money to the bottom line, have some successes. We had great customers. You know, they were a lot of our, a lot of our uh, customers that we were working with in the in the RV industry, in the aftermarket automotive industry, in the agricultural industry. They were, uh, you know, survivors coming out of the, uh, um, the financial crisis. They were uh, real entrepreneurs, real like you know, private business owners, and. Uh, we worked together and like came up with solutions for them, supply chain solutions. They were dealing with a lot of the same problems that we were, and we worked really right. closely with them and delivered for them. And uh, just over time, we started to really like get some traction. Like uh, some of our competitors were repositioning themselves in the market, it created opportunities for us. And us being a small manufacturing company, uh, low overheads, very like short lead times, and just like you know entrepreneurial and hardworking, we were able to kind of you know, like penetrate markets and like create value for our customers and get some wins. And it just started to snowball over time. And with that experience and that little bit of runway, it kind of gave us the opportunity to learn and get like, you know, uh, learn a little bit more about how to best run our business. And, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we grew from there. And, uh, and uh, as we grew, you know, we've achieved better economies of scale, um, continue to make improvements for our business Uh, Lower our operating expenses, lower our raw material costs, you know, create value for develop new products for our customers and help them be more competitive. And it's been a pretty incredible, uh, um, pretty incredible experience. And like during that, too, like uh, because we were getting involved like this uh, and we also realized early on that like this business like uh, like our like owner and founder, Wayne, like, you know, like. Uh, at the stage of his career that he was in, like we really needed to like put some sort of a succession plan in place for him because, you know, we realized that we were investing so much of our personal time and uh, and, and ourselves like blood, sweat and tears into making uh-huh. this successful and preserving his legacy that we really needed to have a plan in place so that if in the worst case scenario, if something did happen to him, if there was some sort of a health issue, that it wouldn't like, um, put the business into a situation where it would be immediately wound down or, right. or shut down and then damn you know create an issue for any of our customers so fortunately you know you know we had great partnerships like with our you know our, our accounting firm Grant Thornton you know our legal um, contacts at Brian and company and then my uh, my relationships with all my colleagues in tech Canada and my tech chair Rick Harvey kind of pointing us in the, the right direction and giving us uh, I'd, I'd heard a number of stories over the years from other tech members of challenges that they'd been through with succession planning or right. things with you know having the right like life insurance policies or or how to structure your USA or how to like put mm-hmm. these things in place and uh, whether it was like um, you know uh, employee shareholder ownership plans or earning buyouts or or different strategies for like you know like putting a plan in place and you know uh, I would at one point, uh, myself and, uh, my business partners, we approached Wayne and kind of b- expressed our intention to, you know, earn in and like become shareholders in the company. Uh-huh. One, so we'd have some skin in the game, but also so we could have a, uh, a succession plan in place for him so that there would be no issues down the road as far as like, um, like the paying back his shareholders loans and, uh, and, uh, and preserving his legacy for this business because uh-huh. one of our biggest concerns is like he'd had a, a quite an impressive career early on and we didn't want to like uh, like have this business like not perform because we believed in it and we knew we could push it forward you know we uh we had intimate understanding of all the equipment and for us like we knew we could take it and add value and provide for our customers and we could do something incredible with it so we kind of right put our minds to it and that's what we did so Over a period of time, I'd say, from working in 2012 and developing a plan, a succession plan, and executing on that in 2014, and then moving the company forward. Um,
0: So that's when it was, like, finalized? So this was yours in 2014?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I feel like we you know, I'd always, like, even though when I was an employee, I still felt like I, I, I felt like I, uh, I took ownership of the company anyway. Like, it was like I had, I felt like I had ownership thinking when I was um, early on in my career, but I wasn't actually a shareholder the Right. the company. But like, I felt like, like employee I, was, though. I was responsible for right. the performance of the sure. company. Like, you wanted, you didn't, you wanted the company to perform well, and when you know, when you found out that it wasn't performing as well as you might have thought, you know, like. A lot of people don't like have financial clarity on the businesses that they work for. So you don't Of course you yeah, don't know yeah, like you just know.
0: think everything's the greatest thing yeah. you've ever seen. <laughs> like how rich this guy is that he's worried about putting yeah. gas in his tank or whatever sometimes. But
1: so it was interesting like when that switch flipped and you like you gain financial clarity and you're like, Wow, this is a, this is a lot different my perception was a lot different than reality. And then um we recognized the opportunity like even though like it was like there were a lot of challenges at the time uh, it didn't dissuade us and we we knew we could you know if we perf- if we executed on a few key things we could turn this around to make it something great so we set on our way to do that and looking back I think that, looking back I think that we've done a really good job on delivering on that and uh and along the way it's been an incredible learning experience so to go from you know a uh, you know, key employee to, you know, getting some skin in the game and becoming a shareholder and taking true uh, ownership of the company and then putting a succession plan in place for Wayne and delivering on that plan and like mm-hmm. repaying his shareholders loans and, and uh, preserving his legacy. Um, Wayne passed away in, uh, in uh, August of 2017, and uh, I think he was, you know, really proud to see that the three of us had... Come together for him and kind of push the company forward to like the vision that he, he perhaps had, like when he first started this. With right. His son, so,
0: well, it's still pretty young, right? Like what? So twenty years old in total. That's still pretty young business, right? Like, well, oh, it, yeah. Well, I mean, I, like some businesses and what. There's a lot of you know. I thought it was gonna be older. That just put, like, when I sort of came in there. Right. Just from, you know, the story of the 85-year-old founder, I would have assumed, oh, he started it in his 30s, and, like, what, you know, who knows, he was making, like, a plastic fork or whatever. <laughs> I didn't know, so I was like, no. you no. right,
1: there definitely are a lot of, like, multi-generational <coughs> businesses, and, yeah, you know, just... You know, it's challenging. Like, a lot of businesses, they don't survive for five years. So, I guess it's a testament that we've
0: well, made uh, it for, for 20 sure years and No, we're continuing it, to it's a very impressive. And, I mean, it, it's just, you've come a long way in, in 20 years, right? Like, the, that's all. So, if I walked in, I would have assumed this has taken longer than 20 years to get to this point. That was sort of all my, so I think it's a testament to how well you guys sort of turned it around especially since it was 2012 when that sort of started moving right and then we've had you know just coming out of the so so not that
1: dissimilar from like like Sean's situation like he has like two other business partners I've been very fortunate like uh my business partners Greg and Nuno have been incredible like uh, partners to be with on this journey. So I couldn't mm-hmm. have, we couldn't have accomplished like this, like without the three of us and our great team out on the floor. And uh, we really complement each other. Like we each have different skills that uh, that we're really great at. And, uh, you know, Greg is phenomenal on the sales and, and relationship building. And Nuno and I like share like very similar economic values. And he's, he's incredible, like with our team out on the floor and operational performance is his excellence. He's incredible. And it's just an honor for me, for them to like, want me to be in the role as president and leader for the company, but, uh, we're equal business partners and, uh, I'm I'm just fortunate to be, uh, be in the position that I am to lead this company forward.
0: Nice. Yeah. It is actually a fairly similar story to Sean's, like, like quite similar in a way, right? Like a kind of neat business started by an older guy, like, yeah. And then, you know, three guys that work for the company. And I mean, his is a little bit different because the succession plan wasn't in place at all. They had sort of talked about it and then his boss passed away. So they had to do it. Yeah. But it's a good learning lesson for any business owner out there listening, and, and Sean and I talk about this quite often is, you know, if you own a business, get in get in the idea of actually having some sort of exit plan because it doesn't just happen and it's a lot harder to sell for what you think you want to sell it for at the end of the day and bad things can happen with health and and whatever so there's a lot that goes into it and it is a bit of planning but it's something that any business owner should really focus on just like any individual should focus on what if the worst thing happened to them because your family your business is kind of like your other family in my opinion right it's your your other kid
1: that's the other benefit that uh i've heard that from a number of other members in my tech group like you're also like you know when you become a shareholder or you're an owner company you're planning like like down the road like exit strategy you're planning for the worst and I've seen that in other businesses where you have a shareholder that passes away and it's the kind of disruption that can lead to in your organization. So we've been fortunate to have some of that guidance from like good colleagues or speakers like uh, in our group and we've been able to implement some of those, some of that planning here for our company as well.
0: And like, look, Kent from K4 can sell you like huge insurance policies or whatever. (laughs) Well, it is my own podcast. I guess I could like say whatever the hell I want. I uh, okay. Oh, so that's that I didn't even know. I, I mean, until I until I pulled up and then I saw three like basically identical Audis parked next to each other. I was like, well, this is obviously like the executive team and their <laughs> parking spots or whatever. And so I wasn't even sure if you had partners or not when I when I walked in. So, but I got to meet them briefly and, and their office dog, nice, Betty, nice, nice pup. Um, so the biggest thing from what I could tell is like, was your was your biggest move getting these big, you know, automotive manufacturers in the States as clients? Like when did you move from Canada there or is that sold to like Canadian plants?
1: No, we have uh, vacuum forming customers all throughout Canada and the United States. Uh, I guess like th- the biggest transition was uh, when we changed the company's focus from just being focused on uh, high density polyethylene and high molecular weight polyethylene to looking at other polymers. You know, we, As we started to deal with um, customers in the vacuum forming industry, they were wanting a number of other plastics besides polyethylene. Um, stuff for automotive and aftermarket automotive and recreational vehicles a lot of them are asking for high impact polystyrene or abs or tpo or asa in different configurations and different glosses and textures and you know we made the decision to expand into abs and like that that whole market dynamic so and part of that the economy uh, in the states was an order of magnitude bigger as well so we mm-hmm. uh, as we uh, started to branch out and real uh, deal with different partners down in the states they were asking us to jump into different products so we expanded our product offering and added more equipment, equipment which brought more sophistication for to the uh, operation because those those plastics are a little more challenging to manufacture
0: that's line process. four
1: line three and line four yeah line four is uh is the most sophisticated piece of equipment we have. It's, uh, it's pretty the biggest sheet line in Canada. It's pretty impressive. It
0: is pretty intense, yeah. And so, well, how many competitors would you have in Canada kind of doing the same thing?
1: Actually, there's not a lot of uh, 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 sheet extrusion companies in Canada anymore. A lot of them have been shut down. Many of the ones that were in Ontario have closed. There are a handful of small manufacturers in Quebec. The majority of our uh, our manufacturing competitors are down in the states, sprinkled out to the United States. A lot of them are very large chemical companies, um, and uh, we're a we're a small to medium sized business. We're extremely nimble, you know, extremely short lead times, and we have the opportunity to be, uh, you know, first to market and a lot more uh, a, a little quicker on our turnaround times and a little more flexible as far as dealing nice. with our customers. I like I like that.
0: Yeah, uh, the ability. Big companies that take, you know, they got to do a giant 180, where you can like make a decision with two guys and have it happen tomorrow, right? Yeah, that's come in uh,
1: in handy in <coughs> a, a number of situations. Like, you know, we're dealing with a new customer that we were developing a a product with, they were in need of some product in short, you know, in short notice, and because you know we had the ability to just, you know, pick up our phone and contact the plant, and we just. We're able to tell them to shut the lines down and start converting this product and ship it out within 24 hours and get it down to the customer. That sort of value is, it's incredible. And a lot of our competitors are just not capable. Their their, their structures are not set up that way where they can convert on short notice and deliver, do something incredible like that. And mm-hmm. we, we've been fortunate to be able to do that a number of times for our customers. And, you know, uh, kudos to uh, our uh customer and inside sales support joseph provenzano we work closely with all of our customers and you know things happen in manufacturing people need incredible service or they need something delivered a lot sooner than they might have thought and uh, we're able to adjust quickly and we have extremely fast changeovers and our lean manufacturing guys have made turnarounds so incredibly fast that we can deliver do the incredible for our customers and they know that we can do that for them so it Helps mm-hmm. build that relationship. And we've got some great partners because of it.
0: Nice. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I it is a well-oiled machine from what I saw. Like, it you can just kind of tell, like, when you see a well-oiled machine. But I was walking around, and I like wood. And I was like, how come you guys have the nicest palettes I've ever seen in my entire life? And he's like, oh, because we now we make our own pallets for shipping different size orders because it's faster. Yeah. And so there's just like more wood than a normal lumber yard has in the back and some guys making some beautiful pallets that I'm probably going to steal kind of when I'm, <laughs> 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 I'm just <laughs> but I might take a couple of the old ones that uh, that are in the back to build something funky out of well, it's, right.
1: it's the nature of our industry We, uh, because of the vacuum forming customers that we have we have an infinite amount of uh, sheet sizes that we can produce so we make small sheets that could be 12 inches wide by 24 inches long up to 10 feet wide by 18 feet long and so we, uh, we in order to deliver all these different configurations we have to manufacture them ourselves unfortunately it's improved the packaging quality but uh, it's also improved our lead times with our customers and you know, it's precious cargo that they're carrying. These are high-value plastic sheets that are being stacked on these pallets, and uh, you know, it's a it's a complaint that I hear a number of times from customers. They'll receive a shipment of plastic with you know five thousand dollars worth of extruded sheet on it, and it's on a flimsy pallet, and you get one board break, and the first couple sheets on that skin are destroyed. You know, you can't, right? You can't yeah, use yeah them, that so makes sense. Yeah, a slight investment in the packaging and you know, preserves that cargo.
0: Totally. Um, yeah, so we kind of talked about your your beginnings in coming in and, and not sure about what you didn't really want to be, a computer science IT guy. And, uh, and you had this opportunity kind of to make a little bit of money 20 years ago, and, and you decided you weren't going to make the Raptors anymore. <laughs> so, uh, but when you came in like did you want to be a business owner did did you want to run a company when you started your career did you think you had the aspirations to do that or did you just kind of
1: you know when i first started uh, my career I, I i would have never thought that i'd be the uh, uh the president of this company but um i'd worked a handful of other jobs and uh, uh leading up to this and uh you know, I, I guess I'd been in some leadership roles before. You know, perhaps part of it was, uh, you know, in my sports career in, in high school, you know, playing basketball and being the captain of the basketball team and then uh, going to post-secondary and while in school, uh, you know, being involved in that team and being in a leadership role, I kind of took to, to being in those decision-making roles. And, and I guess I kind of pursued it early on, like, you know, wanting to be a, you know, If you're working on a shift, I guess, uh, you know, a shift supervisor and then production management and uh, making decisions as far as, you know, being involved in like the decision making part of the team. So I uh, maybe didn't think I would be the president or an owner down the road, but uh, definitely some of those early experiences. And I'd say that like when I joined my tech group and started meeting like other like-minded key executives or business owners... It opened my eyes to that as a possibility. Right. And when you hear other people talking like that, uh, and, uh, you're, I guess, rubbing elbows with them or learning together, the possibility doesn't seem that, uh, far out of reach. So you start to maybe push yourself and mm-hmm. think that maybe I, you know, maybe I could do this or maybe I you know, could make this an opportunity and right. kind of exhibit that or take a, a, take on that ownership thinking mentality that, uh. It had early on.
0: Mhm. Well, I mean I've kind of found that just from doing this podcast and talking to to guys and girls like you that are growing businesses or and I I sort of get a little bit more motivated in like personally, just in my think own thinking about my business just because when you're talking to people that are doing that all the time, then it kind of just makes you feel that same sort of energy. And and it's... But then I'll go home and <laughs> watch Dexter or something. I don't know. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh,
1: I love doing this kind of stuff. You know, it's incredibly rewarding, you know, having the privilege of, you know, running this company and, uh, you know, getting to work with our customers and, you know, developing new products and, you know, having those decision-making opportunities, it's, mm-hmm. it's incredible. And also being able to, you know, I guess learn and work with other business owners here in a completely different industries. You get right. to share your experiences and learn from them and it you know, creates new opportunities and totally, yeah, it's invaluable.
0: Uh, what, uh, do you have any, biggest mistakes you can share, biggest mistake you can share from from when you kind of got into the leadership role? Um,
1: I'd say that, like, honestly, the biggest mistake I'd say was when we invested in our last, last sheet line, you know, it was an incredibly sophisticated piece of equipment, and uh, you know, taking for granted that uh, you know, the that the sales growth would follow like the, uh, the investment and not, you know, kind of not understanding the financial performance of the company at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of look back at that and wish I had a better understanding at that time, uh, like how the company was performing. Um, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. You can sure. kind of look back at it and understand like, you know, why certain things weren't delivered on. And, uh, but, uh, you know, trying to instill that mentality like uh you know not just uh with our management team here but also like the other employees in the company like how this business works and the dollars and cents and all that stuff is Mm -hmm. it's a good experience not just for ourselves but for everybody in the organization to kind of take advantage of
0: right yeah well it's good for everybody to know right instead of just assuming this guy you know has got a gold-plated toilet at his house or whatever right like when, when you see, you know, like the, so was, was there, uh, since you're, you're a little bit, I mean, you're, you're an Al- Edmonton, Alberta based company, but you have a lot of customers that aren't not even close to based in, in like the oil and gas business necessarily. So do you see the same sort of economic cycles that most Edmonton businesses do? Or are they more more focused on maybe the American market or?
1: Um, I would uh, I, I definitely say one of the benefits of this type of manufacturing business, especially in the second half of it is like us having like diversified our business like throughout Canada and into the United States and across a number of different markets, is like we weren't solely focused on oil and gas. Mm-hmm. So because we were involved in recreational vehicle and aftermarket automotive, sub business and heavy truck, The construction industry, the mining industry, you know, sports and recreation, like, Mm -hmm. although, like, when the market contracts, like, you know, everything contracts, but because you're diversified across a number of different markets, when one industry picks up, you get some lift, and you're not just dealing with like, um, like the small market that we're dealing with here in Alberta. Um, I definitely would say that, you know, when we did, uh, when the oil and gas market did contract here, although you know although like it was very hard for a lot of the local businesses here we did see a decrease in sales with our local customers mm-hmm. at the same time other markets were starting to pick up you know some other businesses benefit from lower oil and gas prices lower input right. costs or I guess lower, lower fuel prices uh, improved economic climate in the states you've seen a lot of growth in the RV industry during that period you know a mm-hmm. huge boom in the RV industry Aftermarket automotive grew quite significantly as well. A lot of that was to do with low fuel prices, cheaper right. financing rates, and uh, you know, a positive economic climate down in the states. So I've you know recommended to you know a lot of like colleagues, like in the local business community and other members in my tech group, to look at diversifying their businesses like outside of just Western Canada or throughout Canada if you right. can, and and down into the states. Um, um, you know, it's challenging, like, you know, dealing with like export duties and, and uh, different trade barriers. But once you c- kind of get a handle on the complexity of that, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's there's a lot of great opportunities. And like I said, the the uh, the economy, it's, it's a much larger economic pot to deal with totally. like a, yeah, and, uh, 10
0: times the size right? and
1: <laughs> a lot of really incredible entrepreneurs and, and different customers like spread throughout all kinds of different industries in the states like I'm continuously amazed going into new plants and seeing what different people are doing with their manufacturing processes it's it's remarkable like mm-hmm. what some of the businesses have done down in the states
0: cool um, future what what do you guys see and do you, do you have, like, uh, your business plan every year, or, or what, do you, what do you guys want to happen?
1: Well, I'd wish to say that we sit down and, like, review our business plan, like, every single year. But, uh, you know, in the last, like, two years, like, having moved to this new facility here, we've added, like, increased space. We've uh, done our lean manufacturing assessment, our layout of our equipment. We have, like, space for more manufacturing equipment. So we're looking at new technology, like adding other product lines Investing in our current processes, and uh, you know, potentially adding like complementary, either a complementary product line or other businesses, potentially an acquisition down the road.
0: Right. Hmm. Cool. What would there? What about like moving? Is it is it too complicated to try and get business in other parts of the world other than North America?
1: Um, we've uh, we've had. Actually we've we've had customers over in Europe. We've shipped our product overseas um, Currently our primary focus is uh, the economic engine of North America I think that's their biggest opportunity. It's a multi-billion dollar plastics marketplace and mm-hmm. uh, we're uh, trying to select like the highest value part of that and uh, right. take advantage of it. I do.
0: he's getting excited <laughs> thinking about this too. <laughs> You can't see him but he's like. Hey. That's impressive, like, let's get her done, I like it, um, yeah, I don't know, sorry, we kind of went long, and then we had lunch, and uh, we're getting close to an hour, I'd I'd like to ask a couple questions to close, Uh, could you ever go back to being an employee at a company?
1: I much prefer like being in the role I am now. It's kind of hard to imagine going back to, to being an employee. I think uh, I've definitely uh, been bit by that entrepreneurial bug. Right. I like being in an ownership or leadership role, mm-hmm. decision-making role. Um, um, so I'd have to say no.
0: Okay, fair. <laughs> That's fine. That's a good, good answer. And uh, has it been easy? Like getting here and just your your role as an entrepreneur was always easy low stress
1: um absolutely not this is uh although this has been one of the most rewarding experiences in my life it's been extremely challenging uh, great learning experience but uh, you know a lot of sleepless nights a lot of stress you know we uh um, this is a, a large organization with 48 uh-huh. employees uh Myself and my business partners, and we, you know, we're continuing to push uh, this business forward and creating opportunity not just for ourselves, but for our employees and their families. And uh, you know, it's a comp- complex manufacturing process. You know, it's uh, you know, their safety is paramount, and uh, mm-hmm. we invest a lot in that and making sure uh, this continues to be a world-class organization and safe and uh, and provide for them, create opportunities. they're they're investing their lives in this too so
0: right yeah well that's the right mindset of a owner in my opinion well awesome thank you so much for coming on very interesting thanks for showing me around good luck uh taking that market
1: thanks for having me on
0: for sure thanks